Hi, I'm Kevin Alvis with Big Talk Podcasts. I believe that everyone needs to treat themselves for a job well done. Whether it's surviving a workday jam-packed with mind-numbing meetings or that five-mile bike ride down the lake with your friends, nothing says, I fucking crushed this like a delicious cold beer. And there's no finer place to treat yourself than Chicago's northernmost taproom, Howard Street Brewing. Just steps from the Howard Street Red Line, Howard Street Brewing offers a cozy 37-seat taproom that's perfect for catching up with old friends or making some new ones. And don't let their one-barrel system fool you. It's perfectly pumping out a rotating menu of amazing beers like Rogers Proud Pale Ale, the Better Late Than Never Pilsner, and the This Is What Happens Larry Belgian Saison. Not sure what to try? Get a flight. Try them all. Like that beer and want some for the after party? Grab a few growlers for the road. You want some sweet merch with your beers? They've got hats and t-shirts ready for you too. So if you're in Chicago or planning a trip to Chicago, be sure to check out Howard Street Brewing. Open Tuesday through Sunday. No cash, cards only. Oh, and did I mention that there's entertainment every Tuesday night and trivia every Wednesday night? Oh, 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 and did I mention that you can have food from all the local spots delivered right to your table? Oh, 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 and did I mention that they're pet friendly? This place is the shit. So check out Howard Street Brewing, located at 1617 West Howard Street in Chicago and at howardstreetbrewing.com. Be sure to tell them Big Talk sent ya. Welcome to Based on a True Story, where Chicago's best writers and storytellers take their true personal stories and adapt them into wild tales of fiction. Recorded live the fourth Tuesday of every month at Howard Street Brewing, located at 1617 West Howard Street in Chicago. Our first story comes from Chicago storyteller, host of the podcast Don't Ruin This For Me, and founding member of the Windy City Rollers, Chicago's premier roller derby league, the one and only Elizabeth Gomez. I am going to tell you the story, the legend of Acid Cat. Okay, so uh, I never did drugs as a young person. It wasn't like a thing that I liked to do, uh, mostly because I didn't like getting in trouble, but then that all changed when I was 21. 21, I decided that I would do all the drugs, and I decided that the first thing I'm going to do is for one whole month drop acid every single day. (laughs) So I started doing it with my roommate, and uh, we're living in a small town called Whittier, California, that I do believe might have been the birthplace of Richard Nixon. I never looked it up because I have nothing good to say about Whittier, California, and it just gives me something to be like, that's what happened there. (laughs) And so we were like, you know, dropping acid, and it was like fine until I started seeing things. And I don't know if you guys know that about acid, but you can start seeing stuff. Um, and they start like kind of traily and then they start to get deeper and bigger and like everything kind of gets cartoony. And me and my girlfriend decided that this was the best time for us to learn to skateboard. <laughs> so we're deciding that we're going to skateboard and we both go out and we're like going out to skateboard. And as we're skateboarding, um, I start to get hungry and a little thirsty and I end up with a handful of Skittles and a handful of orange juice. And we hear this cop car pull up behind us. And so it's like, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe we do look suspicious. Like, we're both on acid. I have a handful of orange juice and a handful of skittles. I'm on a skateboard, and it's 3 o'clock in the morning in Whittier, California, where nothing happens. 
And so the guys pull us over and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing. We're just skateboarding everyone. And they're like, oh, really? And then they look at my handful of Skittles and my handful of orange juice. And then they kind of just brush us off. You know, we're not causing any trouble. And then we're like riding and riding on our skateboards and I hear this sound and it sounds very similar, but when I turn around, it's a little gray cat. I know. And this little cat's like following us. And I tell my friend in my acid state, I say, oh my God, look at the colors. And then that was it. <laughs> she was like, we got to take this cat back. And I was like, we can't take this cat back. Where are we going to take this cat? And she suggested that we just like hang out with the cat for the rest of the night. As the night comes down to a winding part of it, the cat disappears. It's gone. No more cat. And then the next thing we decide to do is that we decide the next day that when we're doing acid, we should learn to do ollies. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys know what an ollie is, but it's basically your skateboard's flat, you hit one end, it jumps up, and you like just jump back and forth. And let me tell you, when you're on acid, when someone's doing like this, this is amazing. <laughs> and so we're doing it, we're at a neighbor's house, so we're not even near our house, we're not near where the skateboard park was, and we hear this meowing, and we turn around, and there's this like little kitten. And it's beautiful. It's small and it's gray and I love it. And as the night ends, we're like, oh, where'd the cat go? And then the next morning, we're like, what is this cat? Where did this cat come from? Did you see a cat? And my roommate's like, I definitely saw a cat. And I was like, okay, cool. Then I'm like, I don't know, this is like a week into this whole acid trip. We decided that what we need to do is now up our game. Because it's not enough to do acid for like a week and a half every day. We have to decide that we're gonna go to Disneyland. <laughs> and we're, we decide we're going to Disneyland. And as we're going to Disneyland, we also realize that we don't have a car or a bike or any way to get to Disneyland. So I don't know if you know this, but from Whittier to Anaheim, it's probably about an hour long. On the bus, on acid, it is way fucking longer. <laughs> I have no idea what time went by. I have no idea what happened. But I really was like, I have acid confidence in terms of like, I'm on the bus and I light a bowl and I don't even think about it, right? So we're on the bus, we're high, we're like on this acid. And um, I turned to my friend Denise and I was like, girl, is Disneyland even open? <laughs> And so we decided to get off the bus. We go to a payphone. And back then, it was all payphones. And so if you wanted to call any place, you had to use like a yellow books, you know, the phone book. And while we're there, a convertible, this red car pulls up. And we turn around, and guess who it is? Fucking acid cats! <laughs> and the cat pulls over, and it's like, hey, girls, what are you doing? And we're like, oh, my god, acid cat. We didn't expect you to be here. We're trying to figure out whether Disneyland is open. And acid cat is like... Can I use the phone? To be honest, I think, I think she was tweaking. And so I was like, hey, no, you know what? Um, we need to use the phone because we need to know if we, you know, we can need to get back on the bus and whatever. And Acid Cat's like, it is Halloween Eve. And this means, meow, that, <laughs> that it's going to close for a couple of hours. And after it closes, then it reopens for Halloween night. And we're like, what? And she's like, I've got coupons. And we we're like, as a cat, you're always pulling through. <laughs> so as a cat, you know, we decide not to call because we now know that it's open. We get our coupons. We get back on the bus. As a cat probably makes a phone call to a drug dealer. I'm not sure. I don't get to ask a cat's business. Anyways, so we get to Disneyland. And it is amazing. 
amazing. Like, let me tell you, if you're on acid, if there's one place to be, it is definitely Disneyland. And we go, I think we rode the Roger Rabbit ride probably no less than 100 times. And it's so fun because all it does is like you're in this car and you're just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And then like all these cartoon characters pop up. They're like, <laughs> we're having the greatest time. And when we get to the end of it, I'm like, we got to go get a soda pop. So we go get a soda pop. And guess who is there? It's fucking Acid Cat! And she's wearing this big hat and she's sipping a soda. And we're just like, Acid Cat, we're so happy to see you again. Anyways, the whole thing was super great. We had such a wonderful time. And we take the bus back, which also took forever. And the next morning, I was like, I wonder if Acid Cat is real. And I hear this like knocking at my window. And I was like, there's no fucking way. And recently, I had been sleeping with this guy who was really into S&M, so he like had this collar that he kept at my house. <laughs> And so I was like, I'm going to get this collar. If that's acid cat at the door, I'm going to get this collar, put it on the cat, and then see what happens. So I hear a tap, tap, tap. And I go up, and I open the door, and there's acid cat. And she is looking fine. And I am feeling good. So she and I go to my room. I pet her. She pets me. We lick each other's hair. It's awesome. And then... I slowly slip this collar around her neck and I say, Acid Cat, thank you for your service. I fucking love you. I hope I'll see you again. I know I'm going to do acid for the rest of this month, so I hope you'll come back. And I ended up not doing it for a couple of days because um, let me tell you, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's really tiring to do that much drugs of any type at any point for that long. And um, I had a roommate. And my roommate, who was, he lived in our garage, long story, another day, he comes out and he's like, oh my God, you guys, I just saw this cat. And I was like, were you on acid? <laughs> and he said, yes, I just dropped with my girlfriend. And I was like, oh my God, I think it's acid cat. And then I said, was she wearing a collar? Thank you. <laughs> Our next story comes from, well, me, it's me, Kevin Alvis. I, I do the next story. Unless you're the most boring person on the planet Earth, you know that if you want to be part of one of the greatest celebrations in our nation's history, you have to travel to New Orleans, Louisiana, for that most sacred of party days, Mardi Gras. But what you may not know is that Mardi Gras is ingrained and celebrated all along Interstate 10 that cuts its way along the southern coast. Galveston, Texas, for example, hosts the third largest Mardi Gras in the country, and Mobile, Alabama is credited as the birthplace of the celebration here in the U.S. All along the Gulf Coast, towns big and small celebrate Mardi Gras, including my hometown of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. The parades in these small little areas are less show-me-your-tits and more oriented towards families, but this does not mean that they do not include the one thing that you need to make Mardi Gras Mardi Gras, and that's beer. Cheap, watery, quantity over quality, ball-peen hammer to the temple, hangover-inducing beer. At every Mardi Gras parade in every town, the route is filled with fully stocked coolers that are keeping their owners refreshed and celebrating. But like everything in the world, some people take ref being refreshed and celebrating a little too far. The year was 1992, and I was a junior at Ocean Springs High School, home of the Greyhounds. Go Hounds! 
In that high school, I was a member of the award-winning Ocean Springs Blue-Gray Pride Marching Band, where I held six-chair trumpet. Middle of the pack, baby! <laughs> like all local high school bands, we marched in all the hometown parades, my favorite being the Mardi Gras Parade. I always loved being in a Mardi Gras parade. Whether it was marching with the band or, better yet, throwing beads from a float, it always felt like such an elite experience. The people in the parades always looked like they were having the best time because they were having the best time. I mean, who doesn't love getting drunk in a big trailer that's being pulled by a drunk driver while you're throwing plastic beads at drunk people as the police escort you through town? It's fucking great. This particular year, my uncle decided to drop the dime to put a float in the parade to promote his business, the post office store. It was basically a UPS store before there were UPS stores. Damn it! Now my whole family was going to have a party on a float while I was stuck sweating my ass off in a wool band uniform with a plastic chicken bucket on my head. That's what we called our band hats because they look like chicken buckets, you know. So, you know, with the feather and the chicken that we called them, they were terrible. I really, really wanted to be on that float. At least I could meet up with them at the end of the parade and catch a ride on the float back to my car parked at my dad's office. I just really like riding on floats, so it was fun for me. Once we reached the end of the route, I was released and I weaved my way through the crowded parking lot, spotted the float, and hopped on with the last of the riders that consisted of my dad, my mom, my uncle, I think my sister was there, and my uncle's friend, Brenda. The float cruised through the back streets heading to City Hall. My dad was mayor at a time, but that's for a different story. And the path we took was one of my favorite drives through town. Lots of tall pine trees, quaint little houses, and close enough to the gulf that you could still smell the salt air. After a few turns and a couple of near misses of some low-hanging oak tree branches, we reached the intersection of Kensington and Pine. Ah, Kensington and Pine. I was very familiar with Kensington and Pine because on the southeast corner sat Inner Harbor Park, a favorite hangout of the crew I ran with. There was a kids park where we'd sit on the seesaws and chain smoke, a tennis court where we would try to play tennis and chain smoke, and a great little pier where we'd drink cheap whiskey and chain smoke. Little did I know that in just a few moments, this intersection would be the site of one of the most unbelievable things I have ever seen. As the float passed through the intersection heading north, we were stopped by a loud car horn and a roaring engine coming from the east. Before we could even speculate what was happening, a beat-up full-size Chevy pickup came flying over the hill, Dukes of Hazard style, with a BMW hot on its tail and blasting its horn the whole way. The truck slammed to a stop at the intersection, causing the Beamer to almost rear-end him. Before the truck could come to a full rest, the driver's side door popped open and, with beer in hand, outslid one of the redneckiest rednecks that had ever rednecked. And it was very obvious that that was not the first beer of the day. From the Beamer emerged a young woman, early 20s, inebriation status unknown. The woman, let's call her Brittany, and the redneck, let's call him Daryl are now both standing in the street yelling and screaming at each other. It was the kind of argument where I could get the gist of what was going on, but uh, I get <laughs> the gist of what was going on, what they were saying, but I, I couldn't make out everything that was being said. You know how two people are just yelling over each other like a couple dogs bitching for a bone? <laughs> That's all it sounded like. It was just two dogs going at it. As best I could tell, Daryl almost hit her when he whipped his truck out into traffic because, you know, drunk. She, of course, was not happy and started tailing him and blasting her horn. After a few backs and forths, their barking reached a tipping point, and Daryl had enough. So he took that ice-cold beer 
that he was drinking when he drove up and started pouring it all over the hood of her shiny BMW. Now, the next two sentences out of their mouths were the clearest exchange. Brittany screamed out, Fuck you, motherfucker! And Daryl retorted, Fuck you, you fucking bitch! The following happened in seconds, but lasted an eternity. The clouds darkened and blotted out the sun as the thunder growled in the distance. The air became still like that intersection of Kensington and Pine had been enveloped into a vacuum. Brittany's eyes widened with a flash at the initial shock and then narrowed into white-hot rage at the fucking audacity. She locked uh, her eyes on her target and pulled back her right leg to strike. As she did, it grew twice the size and mass and length as if she was transforming into the Hulk, but just with that one leg. The sky lit with flashes of lightning and roared with claps of thunder as the veiny, rippling, massive leg hit its highest point before its descent. As it fell towards its poor, unsuspecting target, time warped and slowed. My brain started to run beautiful mind-like calculations and determined that with the angle of her ankle and with the velocity with which she was swinging, that she was not only poised to destroy his cock and balls, but the angle of her toes would also make contact with a taint bone, giving her a deadly and elusive triple kill. Daryl, as they say in France, was fucked. When her foot made contact with his genitals, the world flinched. It hit with the force of a one-ton warhead. His beer-soaked, shitty meat sack should have exploded on impact. We should have all been washing Daryl's nuts out of our hair that night. But we didn't. Because he didn't. Not one wince. Not one groan. He didn't fucking move. Instead, he looked Brittany dead in the eyes and doubled down. Fuck you, bitch! He barely got the B sound past his lips before Brittany reset for attack. As she pulled back her already devastating Hulk leg for the second time, it began to grow in mass and length again, but this time tenfold. I could feel the force from her backswing pulling the truck and float towards her. Then, as the monstrous limb reached its pinnacle, the clouds parted, and there in the sky holding a massive thunderbolt was the great and mighty Zeus just being all shredded, and he was badass, and his abs were out, and he said, Brittany, I bestow upon you the power of the heavens because this guy is a total prick. And then he threw the lightning bolt and it went into Brittany's Hulk leg as she swung it forward towards Daryl's groan and boom! The intersection lit up like the sun exploded. Everyone, including Brittany, was thrown back from the blast and the world was a cloud of smoke and dirt and pine needles. When the dust cleared, they're standing in the center of a blackened blast zone was Daryl, unscathed, unbothered, like a redneck Terminator. As my brain started to slowly ooze from my ears after witnessing one of the greatest feats of strength I had ever seen in my 17 years on Earth, plus Zeus, I mean, come on, he was like right there talking to me. I was snapped back into the reality by my dad's voice yelling, Hey! Hey! Cut that shit out! Brittany and Daryl immediately turned towards us and started barking over each other, but he yelled back, I don't give a shit about what started it. I know who you both are, and if you don't leave now, I'll have you both arrested. My dad was also a cop for over 10 years before he was mayor, but that's for a different story. Now get out of here! They both grumbled their way back to their vehicles. Brittany sped off, but Daryl followed the float back to City Hall. 
As soon as my dad's feet hit the pavement, Daryl was right there in his face. How do you know me, he said with the beeriest of breath. My dad said, I just do. Now come over here. My dad pulled him away from the float to talk. I couldn't hear what they were saying, but Daryl went from yelling with arms failing to pissy and a little confused to shaking my dad's hand and thanking him for his time. <laughs> then Daryl left and he went home. And that was it. He was gone. He never limped. He never cried. He never even acknowledged that it happened. I think about Daryl and his nuts every few months. <laughs> Where are they now? Did he have any children? Does he have to pee through a rubber tube? I wonder what he saw the next morning when he woke up from that deep, drunken Mardi Gras slumber as he pulled back the elastic waistband from his worn boxer briefs to expose the cause of the mystery ache coming from between his legs. I imagine it looked like two heavily bruised, overripe plums on either side of an exploded hot dog. Mm. So gross. Thank you. If you're interested in performing, send us an email at bigtalkpodcast at gmail.com or contact us through our website at bigtalkchicago.com. And be sure to join us the fourth Tuesday of every month for a live recording at Howard Street Brewing at 1617 West Howard Street in Chicago. Blah, blah, blah. Big talk.